Listen and stream the all-new talk radio, Freedom 106.5, for the only talk that matter. Yes, friends, 20 minutes now before 2 o'clock, and of course on a Monday, we deal with everything that is dealing with men. Remember, Monday we deal with men, Wednesday we deal with women, and so the show goes, better you, better me, let's better our men and talk, uh, you know, all the things facing men, especially today, where the man knows what's going on a lot with the single fathers out there. Let's talk to Ron Elfiers of the Single Fathers Association. Good afternoon, sir. Hey, good afternoon, bro. Yeah, man, yeah, man. Nice to have you, man. How was how things? I'm good, I'm good, man. Yeah, good man. everything. Yeah, man, everything is cool, man. What they say today is International Happiness Day. You know, every day is a day. Is, is there an International Single Fathers Day? Does it have that? <laughs> they should have I that. I don't think they need to have that, but they have an International Men's Day. Yeah, International we Men's Day. Mo- we need to pay notice to that because, I mean... Um, that will encapsulate all, all, all types of men. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure, yeah, that yeah. we should cover it with that right there. Yeah, That's man. a single Father's Day. Definitely, definitely. All right, so you what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's our it's Father's Day, yeah. yeah Something for our Father's Day. Yeah, for our Father's Day. When that is again? You know, you know, yesterday yeah. was um Mother's Day in the UK. You know, there are different countries that celebrate Mother's Day on different Mother's days. Day in the UK, okay, yeah, boy. Okay, okay. So besides in the mid eight coming up you know it had mother's day in the uk yesterday i was shocked to know that all right all right, all yeah, right. Man. Good to know that one. yeah man yeah man so what's on the agenda for today well um today i know um we were supposed to be um greeted i know this guy guys at the studio told me that um miss guy allen and uh, mr marlon bascom mm-hmm. um miss guy allen is the head of the child protection unit um and mr marlon bascom he is, I think, at a supervisory position on the Children Authority. He was supposed to be here. I don't know if they're here already. Okay. We're in the, we're supposed to be in the group? Yeah, there's supposed to be any discussion today talking okay. about Right, right. Protection. Yeah, so, yeah, so the names. So I guess then. they possibly, I guess they will, they will call in accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been discussing a number of issues that I think we've been having when it comes to those agencies, when it comes to child protection. We'd have had, um, at the point in time about a week or so ago, we had fathers having that issue of um, when it comes to placement, that they were getting challenges, particularly with the CPU, that they're, they're being treated like second-class citizens. Right. So when it comes to placement, <laughs> means something may have happened to the child in the care of the mother, or if the mother is a custodial parent, and then the father, who should be the next person that should receive the child many of our time, the, the reports that we've been getting over, um, I'm getting for a while, is that they are always down in the bottle of the barrel. Mm-hmm. So they will look for a maternal aunt, maternal this one, maternal that one. And um, in this particular instance, there was allegations of a young girl being um, sodomized by the stepfather. And the the father tried to, I mean, tried to, well, didn't try, he went and put himself forward to have the child come over to him. And um, he wasn't granted immediately. No, however, the child has been placed in his care. I must say that from from my our investigations, the Children Authority did say that they, from the very jump, had given instruction. I know that they do that um, once the other party or the other parent is stable enough, that the child be given to them. And uh, but in some instances, as I said, we've seen in times past, not only when it's sexual abuse, we had a case last year as well where a young man. And, a young child was abused by the mother. He was choked and beaten by the mother on live video chat while she held the child ransom for the father to tell her 
um, which woman he carried the, a beach house. That bear in mind that was her ex-husband and not even her current husband. And yet again, I mean, we had to go to court for the father to get um, carry an emergency court um, hearing to the, to the court to get the father to get custody of the child because the child was placed in the care of the maternal aunt. So that is the thing. I mean, fathers, there are fathers that are there and are willing to, to keep their children safe. Mm-hmm. And people have to remember the premise. Mm-hmm. I was on the Child Protection Task Force that were instrumental in the rollout of the Children Authority because even before the task force, the Children Authority was in the works and was responsible for the development of a child protection unit. I remember very, very, very clearly when Miss Margaret Sampson Brown was also a part of that group. It was chaired by Miss Diana Wyatt Mahabir. Um, I was one of the members on that group and she championed for the child protection unit because I mean and at that point in time she was very right to say that there needed to be a specialized unit to treat with child protection within the TTPS arm and we believe so and one thing though I pointed out to them at that point in time in 2013 I'm talking about that or could be added to before 2013 I believe is that such a unit looks good on paper even the children authority but if we did not have the right resources, if we did not have the right staffing, if we did not have the staff with the right competence, particularly those who could be non-unbiased, particularly those who are the, the required training to treat with certain issues like this, then everything that looks so stellar on paper would have come and tumbled on its face. So that is where I see in that we have still some issues where we are seeing little cultural practices starting and creeping up that we have to nip in the bud. And that is exactly why I called it out. It, there is no legislative work. There is no policy work that says that a father cannot receive a child. I will not say in every instance they possibly don't give the child to a father, but it's in way too many instances that we are seeing they being put down to if there is nobody else to give the child to. And that is why we have to stand up and say something. Definitely. Reason being is because nothing was said in a similar scenario. And I use this to show how 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 how, how dangerous this can be. There was never any policy or legislative work that said that a father could not receive public assistance at the social welfare. However, it was the directive of a past PS, I imagine, who would have instructed the juniors that once there's a man. A man is the head of the woman, he should not receive public assistance, which is actually contrary to what is written in the act. So, despite you may have rights as a father or as a man, sometimes cultural practices trample upon that. So that if we are hearing that a father would have subjected himself to say, hey, send my child to me based on the allegation until it's properly investigated to see what's going on, and then he's being told that the seniors say, that because he does not live with a woman, he cannot get custody of the child. That is troubling to me because there's there, nowhere within the legislation or the policy, there's any mandate that says that the man must have to live with a woman for you to give care and give, give the child into his care. And the thing is, the mother is a woman. Wasn't the mother a woman? And wasn't the child still abused? I'm not blaming mommy for it. I don't know what's the circumstance. But what I'm saying, it shouldn't matter the gender. It shouldn't matter more so 
that the place that the child is being taken to is a safe space and that the child will divide the child's best interest will be sought there while an investigation takes place. All right, we have um, Marlon Bascom and he's um he's inside. Marlon is inside. Mr. Bascom is inside. Mm-hmm. Hi, good good afternoon. Thank yes. you for having me. Good afternoon, sir. Me. And everybody's on. Yeah, man. I know if, if Mr. Bascom have anything to join in to say to what I say so far, I know he's probably chilling at all right, well well when I when I came in, um I was listening to Mr. Fields and Mr. Fields is correct with respect to um there is no policy or legislation that indicates that um someone or a child cannot be placed with a parent based on based on gender in and of itself. All right. Um from the children's authority's perspective, once we are bound to place a child with with, with family. Uh, we, we we are duty bound to ensure that the situation is is safe. So we would usually conduct what we call a suitability assessment, um, and that applies to any family member. So if it in in this instance, if it happens to be the father, if it happens to be any aunt, uncle, or anyone, we would conduct a suitability assessment, which entails us looking at the surroundings, us looking um, as far as possible initially at. The, the financial circumstances of the home, the physical surroundings of the home. We would also conduct community inquiries as best as possible just to ensure that if we are placing a child there, even temporarily, that the child is as safe as can be. And that may even be uh, um, through our continued follow-up with respect to monitoring and so on. So uh, that would be our, our, our process as I'm basically outlining it here. Yeah. All right, folks, indeed, of course, we're speaking uh, with Mr., you know, of course, Rondell Fields of the Finger Fathers Association. We also have Superintendent Claire Guy. She is of the TTPS Child Protection Unit. And Mr. Marlon Bascom, he's a manager of the Investigation and Intervention Unit of the Children's Authority of Trinidad and Tobago. I'm sure later on we will have a lot of questions coming in. Of course, our questions are 627-3223-6522-57 and 30610 Six five, especially where this uh, child protection unit is concerned. So we say welcome in, Miss Claire Guy Allen. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for having the TTPS here this afternoon. Thank you. Yes, good afternoon. Yeah, yeah, Rondell. Any questions? Because I came in after. Mm-hmm. Well, no, Miss Allen, I think we were talking generally. I know you're possibly missing the, the conversation. I know mm-hmm. we are talking generally about the perception that I think that we we, we are concerned about generally um, of fathers being, children being placed in their father's care at the bottom of the barrel where fathers are believing that they, it is automatically being determined that because of my gender, I am automatically a threat or more threatening than another gender. And I think generally, um, so far we've spoken, I think Marlon, Mr. Bascom would have echoed this a similar sentiment that there's no legislative work or, or there's no um, policy that, 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 in other words, that subscribes that agenda maybe, uh, that, that agenda takes any preference over, over the other. So the reason that I think we, I, we particularly at the Fathers Association has raised this is based on some of the things that we've been seeing taking place 
And it raises a concern to us primarily, as I said, because we've had to battle with certain cultural practices that have taken place in other areas. And if we are to see similar things taking place, or at least here, that similar sentiments are being expressed to, 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 to fathers or the or, or the men who who truly may have the best interest in their in, in their children's safety. It is of a grave concern to us. So that is basically what I think we've discussed so far, just to bring you up to speed. Excellent. Thank you very much. And one of the things I want um, the listeners to understand this afternoon is that the Gender-Based Violence Unit, uh, which is part of the Special Victims Department, that department encompasses the Child Protection and the Gender-Based Violence Unit, along with the Sexual Offenses Unit. That unit does not operate with any sort of bias whatsoever. At the end of the day, if a child is being assaulted, one of the things we would immediately request of the Children Authority is the removal of the child from the place of danger or where that child is, was harmed or might be possibly harmed further. So the, the safety of the child is always critical. We have also seen where we have made requests to the Children Authority because the Children Authority, as Marlon um, alluded to, they are the ones who conduct placement for children. So they're the ones who do the suitability assessment and the psychosocial support to the family and the survivor, the victim, the child victim, to ensure the child's safety is um, taken into consideration and that it is actually being done. One of the things we have, we have within the unit itself, we have also recommended fathers as safe havens for children to be placed. We have done that over and over. But the thing is, we treat every case by its own merit. For example, if we have a case where um, a child was assaulted when she was with a stepmother and a stepfather or, you know, two adults, the really important factor here is that the child must be placed in a place of safety, and that place of safety must be with, with a responsible adult. So it doesn't matter if it's a male or it's a female, right? The consideration that will be taken into, into place when we are doing that before the Children Authority actually comes out to do the assessment, because there are times um, sometimes we cannot wait on Children Authority, and we may have to uh, do a first assessment. We would interview the child, find out, you know, if the, if the, the child is comfortable um, being placed with this adult. Because we have a lot of children who are not living with their fathers, and there are a lot of custody battles in the high court. On a daily basis, we have to respond to a lot of high court matters in the family court relative to custody of children. And sometimes we as the police... We are caught in the middle of all these battles. At the end of the day, we don't know the father, we don't know the mother. Something may happen when the child was in the care of the mother, the father lives elsewhere. Some sort of assessment has to be done by the children authority before that child is actually placed with the father. So it doesn't matter whether it's a male or it's a female. What is important is the safety of that child. I, I agree with you, Ms. Guy Allen. 
and I, I agree that is the, 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 the way the process should go. And I think we all echo in that same sentiment. That, what, that is why it is troubling when a father could state that a member of the child protection unit would have told him that the child cannot be placed in his care based on the instruction of his seniors because he lives, he does not live with a woman. So whereas I understand exactly what the child protection unit stands for and how the process should be and what should take place and most and maybe as I say in, in times they, they do what they are supposed to do. I am still identifying, even if it is one or two or three or ten situations where communication that should never leave the member of staff's mouth goes to the ears of the person. We have to remember this is a, a, a father who may not have the training or the understanding or anything. And I agree with you, there must be checks, there must be balances before putting the child into his care. And I think if that is communicated, then any reasonable person can understand that, particularly in cases where the father may have been the non-custodial parent and the child may have to shift its residence, shift the child's residence for the child's safety. However, if the communication that comes to the father it is, is this, that he is not going to be allowed to take the child into his care because he does not live with a female, then it, that is what is bring, brings in the whole gender issue. That is what makes it presume, make the whole presumption of a gender bias. Because you are, it, it, it comes clearly across, and I mean, there's no need for an inference that the person is generally telling him that long and short of the story, because you are male, I cannot put the child into your care. And, and this is not something that has begun in the child protection unit. This is something that is societal. This is something that takes place. Just today, I have, I have a father who years ago was not granted custody of a child because the judge told him that he cannot take a child, and, a two-year-old child, and put the child into the care of the father because the father hated a girl and because the mother had threatened to kill herself. The mother made well on that threat and killed herself. They hmm. then, after the father made an application therein, after to have access to the child, the court again decided to give the grandmother custody of the child. The child, there was a, and he had to bring up an issue where the mother, the grandmother said she only raised, she raised, she, she accustomed raising boys, she shaved the child, the child's head ball. He made reports to the child protection unit in Maracas when the, on occasions when the child's hand was burned. The child protection unit had many times, he said, did nothing to assist him. Last week, he was supposed to collect the child. The grandmother has now taken the child out of the jurisdiction to the, to the United Kingdom. He went again to the child protection unit. And in this regard, I can say I can't blame the child protection unit when it comes to parental abduction because they have no jurisdiction. But they weren't able to even point him to the civil child abduction unit. They say, hey, at the end of the day, let me call somebody and let me tell you, um, you may just have to go back to court. And I'm still not faulting them for that point. But I am showing Trinidad and Tobago how society's view impacted the decision of a judge when her father was right in his assessment that the mother would make good on killing herself. She killed herself. They still didn't give him the child 
gave the grandmother the child who he thought was not the best person to be custodial parent, and she has now taken the child and traveled across the, the United Kingdom in breach of the court order and in breach of his right. So it is, a, it is commonplace for us that we see in a number of systemic places where there should be or where they will always say that they have an unbiased approach when it comes to these things. But because the topics are sensitive, because they often say that, or some of them have seen and seen allegations being made most times against men, they are not any time in any support of anything the man brings forward. Whether if he brings forward himself for, for custody, brings himself forward for access, brings himself forward to present himself as a state, even when the child is abused. And that social bias that we have generally in Trinidad is impacting every systemic system that we have in place. I just explained the one with social welfare. When no legislative works, you're not allowed. And even in lighter processes, lighter processes, you go to the hospital, there's the father, they make you sit down outside because it's not necessary for you to be there. Look at the balance between paternity leave and maternity leave. The mother gets a, a three months, the father gets three days. So socially, we've done horribly. And that is why it is important for these specialized units to have employees or personnel who are detached from that social perception of a man is most likely to do this or men have done this. And I understand the challenge if you may see be, be working in an institution where a number of allegations may be coming in but against a particular gender. And this is why at some point in time, I humbly suggest that there should be some type of reshuffle or some cycle of persons who may be operating in that space too long because it could tend to impact impair your judgment and then though the president or the merit should be a non-biased approach individually we find the persons taking a biased approach whether it's out big and bold for the seniors to know like you miss miss allen or they're doing it on the low and the fathers have to come and tell us but it has to be happening for them to be saying something and this is our issue and it's not just to shine a bulb on CPU, but to shine the bulb on a greater issue that we have as a society and how it's impacting those units that we have. And I believe strongly the Chairman Authority, the CPU, and all these units are units that must have people that have that level of training, that level of expertise to detach themselves from social perceptions of Trinidad and Tobago and the magistrates and the court system as well. If I, we'll, we'll always add a bias. If, 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 if I could come in, um, so speaking from the Children's Authority, that, that's the reason for us ensuring that we follow particular processes. In, in, in this case, it would be um, the suitability assessment process, which usually for us, if the child is being placed by a family member or a concerned person who is not the actual parents, it is what we then present before the courts to get what we call a temporary fit person order. The fit person being the person who is going to assume responsibility for the child and all care activities for, it may be a shorter period, it may be a longer term period. Um, and now the fit person order does not take away parental rights. The fit person order is not legal guardianship, 
but it's 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 a way for us to ensure that a child is in a safe space, usually alongside monitoring by the children's authority. Now, what I can say in a, in a, in addition to what um, Mr. Fields and Ms. Allen would have said is that yes, there are instances where because we we too um, receive uh, cases or request for investigation from the family court, particularly in instances where there are custody battles going on and one parent may make allegations against the other parent. And then and at that point, we may be called in to investigate. What I can say is that custody issues in and of themselves are not child protection issues. Custody issues where people are getting um, divorced and so on are not in and of themselves child protection issues. However, very often um, a potential child protection issue may be raised during that divorce proceeding or that custody proceeding where one person begins making allegations against the other person, whether it be that of domestic violence or some form of child abuse. In, in those instances, um, we would then investigate the matter um, alongside our suitability assessment report and present our findings before the relevant court. We cannot be biased before the court in any way, shape, form or, form or fashion. So whether the, the the parent towards whom an allegation has been made is the, is, is the mom or whether said parent is the father, our process remains the same. Um, and whatever we find, we find, and that is what we present. And if of course we believe someone to be safe, we will inform the court of such and then the court will make um, whatever final decision and with monitoring if for whatever reason things are not working out we then go back to the court to place the child somewhere else that that that, that may be safe be it one of the community residences which the public knows as uh, children's homes yeah excellent and i would just like to add as well that um i hear rondell fields with what he's saying and sometimes we make statements without knowing all the evidence that is before us. Because I can speak from um, some of the instances within the unit. Sometimes we may have a placement issue. Well, Children Authority does the actual placement. But sometimes when it, when it comes to the police and looking for a place of safety for a child, we may hear behind the grapevine that here's what the father let us say um, the, the, the perpetrator is, the, perp the offense was perpetrated at the home of the mother. And uh, we, may we may hear that, here's what, these people have a custody battle. How could we know that there's a custody battle where allegations were made against one parent? How can we now put the child, be it male or female adults, put the child in the care of that person? We would have to let the children authority, who is the body that is responsible for placement and suitability assessment, they would have to come out and do their work and they would have to decide whether or not this place is a place of safety for the child. So it doesn't have anything to do with the sex of the adult per se. At the end of the day, and I will keep repeating it, it is the welfare, safety, and wishes of the child that is critical when it comes to looking for a place of safety for children. We do not want children to be re-offended, and that has happened. We do not want the perpetrators to have access to these children freely. 
We have even recommended in some instances that the parent that the child is with or the adult that the child is with, that the adult makes an application before the court for a protection order on behalf of the child. If the child is 16 years and above, that child can make a protection order against the perpetrator. But if the child is under that age, it means that an adult person would have to make that application on behalf of the child, be it a police officer, social worker, caregiver, um, fit person, can make that application against the perpetrator on behalf of the child. So, you know, children and safety is everyone's business. And sometimes we may not have all the facts before us. And the police has to make a decision in two tools. Everybody will not be pleased with the decisions at times, but we leave it up to the children authority to come and do the assessment and make the final decision with respect to those things. I agree with what Ms. Allen said, and I haven't, I haven't said at any point that I disagree the process should be so. Mm -hmm. What I have spe said specifically is the communication, the communication that was communicated. So no matter what other evidence there was or whatever, things the police may have heard, the reasoning given should never be a reasoning given because it involves the inclusion of gender. Okay, so, noted. So that, that should never happen. Whether the police say A, B, C, or D, nobody must say because you don't have this with you. It's like yes. telling a woman also, because a man doesn't live with you, we're not going to put this person in your care. That would be mm -hmm. totally unfair to do so. Another thing, when it comes to custody, because somebody is granted custody of a child and the, and the, the other party is the non-custodial parent and has access, doesn't mean that the non-custodial parent is anyway unsafe. Eh? It just means that for whatever reasoning, they have been granted custody of the child. It could be mm -hmm. because of the, the locations to school. It could be because they deem the mother may be the, be the, the better one. They deem the father may be, be the better one based on certain circumstances. It doesn't mean that the, the, the non-custodial person is a threat that you need to really assess to a point that the child will be a, a danger. Most times, if that is the situation that they are, they, the father or the, or the mother who is a non-custodial parent, um, their access might be um, supervised access opposed to normal access. And even all those things are, are no issue. And yes, you must do your research to make sure the person is safe. But mm -hmm. even in issues where there are custody issues, to me, once a person has been granted access by a court, it means the court has determined that that person or that parent is somebody they could trust the child's care into at some point in time in the child's life. Even if mommy gets the child or um, every 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 day and daddy gets the child five set days for the, for the month, it means the court trusts that he is in the care, the child is in the care of the father for those five days. So that in event something is to happen, it should be understandable that since that is a person that the court trusts to give access to, that that person who is also the father or, the, or not only stop using father, who is also the non-custodial parent but has court access to the child is a viable option as well. But I get your point where, you, where I think you're alluding to some people and, as, and to jump on that point what Mr. Bastom spoke on, I want to give you all some statistics on fault allegations. 
right? Mm -hmm. And it's being used in court orders. And we all know the deploy, and it's something that happens very, very regularly. So much that when Mr. Hanif Benjamin was the um, the last director, we met at the airport when he was going to open the family court in Tobago, and he spoke about how much resources is utilized and lost when people make false allegations and the Children Authority and the CPU have to engage into these investigations that we know were all made maliciously. However, the reasoning is this, and I can ask either Children Authority and CPU, and I'm sure you're going to have the same answer for me. There is no real consequence. What is the consequence when you find out about this? Can you all charge? I know the police may be able to charge a wasteful employment of police time. How much charge that would be? I don't know if it's $500. I don't know the extent of that charge. And that is why we have to know, we have been lobbying the AG to have serious consequence, serious criminal consequence when it comes to false allegation. There's a, there was, there is some statistic that has been released from the Domestic Abuse and Violence International Alliance that came out just this weekend and they sent it to me. International 2023 survey, false accusations made by a male or female. Well, let me uh, jump in there. Yeah, you could jump in, yeah. The, the thing about it is that once, once we as a police have any evidence of anyone making a false report, that person will be charged for wasteful employment of the police. I understand. What Let me just follow the rest of the statistics. Let me just yes. follow the rest of the statistics ahead, so Mr. we can show that globally, false accusations is, is, is an issue. In Australia, 33% made by men, 57% made by women. In United States, 30% made by men against women, 58% made by women against men. In Canada, 27% made by men against women, 65% made by women against men. In Argentina, nearly finished. 18% made against men, made by men against women. 68% made by women against men. Poland, this is the only one where the man, 47% of the times makes false allegations against the woman, and the woman in 44% of the times makes false allegations against the man. In Spain, 13% are men, making false allegations against women, 78% are women making false allegations against men. And finally, in the United Kingdom, 20% are men making false allegations against women, and 48% are women making false allegations against men. Hmm. So throughout the entire world, and I encourage the CPU and the Children Authority, if you all haven't done or haven't been taken record of persons who've wastefully employed the police time at the CPU and persons who've made false allegations. And I know Mr. Bascom, I have highlighted a number of cases from the Children Authority where the guys was, were accused, even our grandmother was accused, and we are we have to get exonerated. On on on, on that point I, I can't say that from from the authority's perspective, um particularly yeah. from the perspectives of, of the investigation and intervention unit. When we get these um reports usually from the family courts where there's a custody matter going on and an allegation has been made unfortunately very often um it, it is not substantiated right and then we have to go back and report to the courts or make certain recommendations however in those custody matters usually we are not party to the matter otherwise we would have just been asked for um to investigate these specific allegations and so we just have to complete our report and send it back 
to the court for, for the court to then address um, the allegations made. Yeah. So will the general authority have the reports though that we could use for, to collect data? The reports sent to the court on, on these cases that were false allegations. Because then data could be collected from the reports forwarded to the court. True, but we would we would need the court's permission to release um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Understand, information. Yeah. Right. From the policing perspective, what we have is um, you know, most of the reports that reach to us would be where the child would have disclosed some sexual or physical or neglect to another person, and that person would come to make the report that this child would have told me so, 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 and so, and so. The thing about it is that if when we interview the child, because we have had instances of that, where we interview the child now, and the child would said, I lied to my aunt, or I lied to my grandmother, because of um, we, I'm not getting attention from you know this person and that person. So something like that, we have to be very careful with. We have had also instances where children would come forward and give us a statement outlining um, a criminal offense. And somewhere down the road, they would come to say that everything that they said was false. What we do is that that child will now have to be treated as a, as, as a suspect. And we would engage the director of public prosecutions in order to know how to go forward with that matter. And that is why creating safe spaces for children is critical. Um, even parents, when they are separated for one reason or the other, whether it be through divorce or otherwise, we are asking parents to try to parents co-parent together in an amicable way because at the end of the day, the only person that suffers during this process is the child. And sometimes the child feels as though they have to tell stories in order to be with their father or to be with their mother or to be with their, that preferred adult that they would prefer to be with. So, you know, we are asking persons to seek co-parenting um, classes or skills, because there are a lot outside here. Seek that professional help, seek counseling, and be able to co-parent in an amicable way so that the best interests of the child can be met in the long run. Agreed. Agreed with that. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, so we are inviting some phone calls. I see some people were calling while you all were entering there at 627-3223, and, of course, WhatsApp's at 3061061. As we have the children's... Oh, let's take a call here right away. Hello, good afternoon. A pleasant good evening to Mr. Fields and the officer. And the, uh, you have a strong team there, by Madam, a question to you. I was, we are making aware that the challenges we have in the children... I was wondering if at, we can have a better intervention at a lower stage in terms of like, um, you know, we have a little database of, of the single parents from a, a, a young age, because sometimes the problem only manifests itself when the child maybe some mid-primary mid school or mid-secondary um, mid school. And, you know, it's it, it, it already an impossible task, but, you know, we could get some NGOs like maybe the churches and you know, other people more involved so we'll have a better support or a better awareness of the children that are in our vulnerable situations. And also point two on the point you are now making there, co-parenting, maybe we got um, kind of like give people some um, some lessons of education and co-parenting because you know they take it for granted and they're fighting one another 
and the child is the one that mentally and psychologically suffers because they they not at that tender psychological and mental state and they they, they, they can identify that most of them the damage they're doing to the child. Lockdown and listen, bye. Excellent, excellent contribution by that caller. And what we are doing at the um, Special Victims Department, we have started um, outreach programs in communities, in schools, and we start as low as the preschools to have that conversation in a conversation that children would understand. We try to, you know, be invited to parent-teachers association, the, um, the parent body of the schools, so that we can have that conversation as well. I know the Children Authority does a lot of outreach. Um, I know Randall Fields, well, he's on the ground as well. Um, so... Yeah. Yes, definitely. If I if I may come in, we we yeah. also at the Children's Authority we engage in, in in that outreach as well. Um, this is a good time for me to remind the public. You know, child protection is everyone's business. So as the caller said, from as early as possible, we would want the parents or or other concerned members of the public to become involved. Um, this is also a good point for me to, to to remind the public to utilize the services that exist within the public sector where you may be able to, to, to get help in any situation for your children. So that includes, other than the Children's Authority, other than the police service, that includes the, utilizing the services of the Child Guidance Clinic, that includes utilizing the services of National Family Services, and there are other entities that are that are out there, NGOs such as Families in Action and so on, um, such as the Rape Crisis Society and so on, that uh, we can access to provide um, support before, as you call us, said, it gets to a particular stage. All right, let's take a call here. Hello, good afternoon. Hello. Yes, pleasant afternoon to your panel base. Yeah, pleasant afternoon. You know, my concern is like um, the safety in the schools for children. Because that seems to be a big concern and the, the levy of abuse on certain children in the school. And the other point is the children's home. The safety and the care of the children's home. This is my key concern. All right. Thank you, Because there is too much abuse in the children's home and everyone seems to be turning a blind eye mm -hmm. on the safety and the key. Right. Thank you. If, if um, representing the authority, if, if I may start with that one. Sure. So what I definitely um, would, would want to say, it's difficult for us at the authority to speak publicly about cases that may be being investigated or maybe at the attention of the police or maybe at the attention of the courts. However, at the Children's Authority, when it comes to the um, community residences, which the public calls children's homes, we do have um, a licensing and monitoring unit that provides oversight and monitoring over um, those spaces. And so if and when there are incidences of reported abuse, these things are investigated um, as soon as possible. And where, when necessary, the relevant reports are made to the, to, the, to the police service. By the same vein, whenever the police comes across any report that involves a child, they usually pick up the phone and inform the authority as well so that there are concurrent investigations going on, both social and, where necessary, criminal. All right? Um, so I, I want to disagree a bit with the caller where he indicated that we are, persons are turning a blind eye to these things. That is, that is not the case. Every instance of abuse that we become aware of at the authority, said it, such as investigated. Right. 
let, let me jump in there a little bit. Um, because as the advocate, I think that is my job to do. I, I know uh, Mr. Bascom and Ms. Guy Allen may not be allowed to do. But honestly, um, you see, what happened, Mr. Bascom, is that it will be interpreted by the public as if you're turning a blind eye. Because the public themselves may not know of the constraints of the authority and the child protection unit. Maybe the funding they receive, the resources they receive, the lack of training, the lack of staffing. These things are things that are plaguing these places. And you know me, I will say it's plain and bold. Because these two units, as I said, I was a part of them rolling out on the ground. And this is something that I said meeting after meeting after meeting. They must be prioritized. They must be well-staffed. They must be staffed with the right people, with the right training. They must have the resources to do the work. Because I can guarantee you, people think to themselves, there aren't many people that are called on a daily basis being abused. People think to themselves that this is so. My case is a is an is a isolated case. But it's in the hundreds sometimes they're calling me and I I, I don't have the resource. I have to call the train authority and the train authority. I, they mean, I, I think I saw they put something out about the struggling for resources as well. But why? And that is the reason. And institutions and organizations, the TDPS must prioritize the CPU. And the government and the state must prioritize the train authority. They must be well-staffed. They must be well-equipped. They must be well-resourced. They must have enough vehicles. They must have the right staff trained to truly treat the things. So yes, they may not turn a blind eye. But no matter how big their eyes are to see, they may not have anything to deal with what they need to deal with. So we have to be able, so you see the thing is about me, I will call the CPU out and call the China authority out when they fail. But I have to call out the government when they fail also too. Because long and short of the story, and even the TTPS, I have to call out too if they're failing. We must have these units well-resourced, well-trained. As I said, make sure the staffing has the level, because they are specialized units. And we don't want things like bias to creep in. We don't want things, we don't want the fact that children may know. Nobody should have to think in their mind or perceive as a, a, a home for children as a dangerous place. When we call it a safe space, that right. should never ever, the way it looks, the presentation of the place, the infrastructure of the place must be one that is welcoming. It must be one that is, it, 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 that the staff are well trained so that children enjoy being there. And if we don't have that in our homes, and it is because the resources are not there for it to, 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 to present itself a particular way, then we have to blame those who need to fund those things. And those things could only change if the required funding is put there, the required staffing is put there, and the resources is given to them. I've been doing this too long and complaining about resources in these places. And until Trinidadians and Tobagonians realize that it is important and start calling for it. Just like how we just vex when subsidy, when the subsidy remove and we had to pay more gas or we had to pay more electricity bill. These are things to be upset for also because it involves the protection of our next generation. But mm. we're not making any noise fit because many of us don't know the issues that some of these institutions face. And I'm saying it now, 10 years after from 2013. If we do not resource, we do not staff or fund these agencies in the manner that they need to, there will be nothing good or better than what they presented themselves to be just on paper, good on paper only.
All right, Mr. Phil, I have a question here. So, Steve, come in here. Good afternoon to the panel. I have been denied access to my son since December 2017 due to allegations coming from my ex-wife in June 15th, June 2015, when the first allegation was made, Mr. Alistair Giff investigated the matter and he promised a report to be forwarded. It never took place. January 24th this year, a worker from the Children's Authority called me on this case since December 2017. I have been denied visits. What say you people? Well, the Children's Authority has to answer to that. I mean, I, I just allegate, I, I hear these things all the time. Mm. And so the Children's Authority has to answer to that. Mm. Yeah, I, I I can't speak to that specific case without 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 knowing the details. However, what I would I would ask that person to uh, call our hotline at nine nine six and leave the leave the details for me. Um, my name is Marlon Bascom, so that I can follow up on the matter appropriately. Um, in terms of a report being forwarded, I would want to assume that the the, the custody is a custody matter before the court, and as such, I would the court usually would request um our information on, on on our reports if we are a party to the matter so we we don't know any details i i, I can't speak further um well, like i'm, I'm going to take his number i'm going to take yeah. his number his details forward it to mr fields and your correct right yeah. yeah right okay cool all right let me ask a question though i mean not to be devil's advocate but to, to really understand how applications are going into both units and these things as well what is the gender composition in these two, two units? Is the training authority a place that you've seen men applying to be a part of? Is the CPU or somewhere the, the male officers want to be involved? What is the gender composition? Is there a balance of men and women in these units? Mr. Bascom, I, on your side? Uh, I would not Alex. say, Rondell, that there's a balance, like 10, 10 to 10, 10, mm. 10 men and 10 women. Um, the unit, the unit, we have a lot of females within the unit, within the unit itself, right? Um, what we what we find happening within the TTPS is that sometimes men prefer to work in areas like the interagency task force, the guard and emergency branch. Those places would attract more men, right? Um, I want to step back up to something that you said before. Within the child protection unit, the special victims department. The officers are exposed to a barrage of training. The training that the officers are exposed to is second to none. I would sit here and pledge that, right? We could do it more resources, yes, but resources is an issue throughout and all around Trinidad and Tobago. But when it comes to the training of the officers within the unit, the officers are highly trained. The officers may not make decisions that may be pleasing to everyone all the time. But at the end of the day, there's a balance that has to take place and somebody may be annoyed and somebody may be happy, right? The caller before spoke about him not having access to the um, to his child. Um, just like Mr. Bascom, without the facts, we cannot really say much about it. But Mr. Bascom, once you get the information and I can help in any way, please pass, feel free to pass the information on to me. Sometimes you have these matters going on, someone was charged. So once you are charged, you would not have access to your child. Once an investigation is ongoing, the court may not want you to have access to your child as well. 
But sometimes there's delinquency, yeah? so we don't want the gentleman to think anybody's saying not to charge. Because sometimes there has been cases that this lapse and an allegation right. was made and, and this guy not. That is why we're not speaking to that yeah. particular yeah, case. Yeah, yeah, we're just yeah, making yeah. instances yeah. when these things can yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. 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 To, to, to come back into Mr. Few's question, now I obviously I'm a, I'm a man and I lead my unit, uh, the investigation and intervention unit. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, uh, it it is not as balanced as as we would like. However, I, I can point out two things. One, uh, the Children's Authority is presently engaged in a transitional exercise whereby we are re reformatting and refitting into a new and more greatly expanded organization. And in that, it is, is my hope that we would get to see more men again um, in the, the various units of the authority. Now, we, we do have a component of men, but not in the what we call the care services arm of the authority as we would like. I, I am I am one of the few. All right. Um, but to, to, to touch on something else, as as Ms. Guyalin was speaking, she reminded me with respect to training, um, all of our what we call children's services associates, all of our legal officers, all of our licensing and monitoring associates, each person is is coming in with a high level of of training meaning uh tertiary level education training and practical e experience so while yes um all across the board in trinidad and tobago we would call for more resources i i will say definitely that persons are trained they, they do know what they are doing um social workers caseworkers psychologists um monitoring officers legal officers ev everyone is um an expert in their field yeah, let's take a call here. Hello, good afternoon. About five Hello, minutes. Good Hello, good afternoon to all. Yes. What I would like to know, if the institute itself in in the country that children is a first priority, that they make it a first priority instead of drugs and ammunition or, you know, but the kids, and if not, I'm saying, and I don't see it in the sense because when school break up or in the morning or in the evening, which is the most, that's two hours for kids to be in school and out, I think they should have made a priority. The police should be out and be looking at all that overall. Thanks again. I think people are actually concerned about the balance in schools. In schools. In place these days. Yes. It's something that I think, I mean, working together with the TTP as the community police, and I'm pretty sure Ms. Garland's team is involved in certain instances as well. It's something that I think it needs a collaborative effort. Um, and a, a serious involvement on the Ministry of Education as well. Because, um, and I, I, I have said this before, and I don't know if people understand that the, the Ministry, there was a, a group that they, they used to call the star class, and this was to, in, be, to encapsulate or capture rather the children that scored under 30%. And from, you see, we're big on research, eh? and from mm -hmm. our research within the central region, we are realizing they don't they don't call them the star class anymore. more what they do now is called the school the schools are focused so there are 26 schools are focused throughout Trinidad and Tobago and from our research we're realizing that those 26 schools all the schools that you see the fights and the videos Shogona South and which one and that one those are the schools that they have called the schools are focused but for the very same reason the children are going there but the, the teachers are not well resourced to deal with some of the children. The children, many other times, those are the children that can't read well, cannot write well, and they're not doing well in, 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 in academics. And because 
our school system is so entrained in only academia, these children feel left out. And those children, most of the time, scoring from this, sometimes come from areas where there's a bad social practice, a bad, and sometimes criminal behavior. Sometimes they come from a home where the, the, the brother or the, the, the sister or the uncle or the aunt is a drug dealer. So we in school and we ain't doing anything, come in school and sell drugs. So I, I think there needs to be real focus on those schools of focus and possibly possibly a, a re-evaluation of what may be best for this school of focus or this so-called quote-unquote star class that they used to call the star class before and see if we could deal in another manner with the 30% those going under 30% in SEA. Some may not be academically inclined, but I think it's time the Ministry of Education realize education is bigger than academia. Education could be technical skill. Education could, is, is social skill. Education is culinary arts. Education is, is a number of things. So I think, I mean, learning trade schools and these kind of things. So I think we really need to revamp that position because the, 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 those schools are focused on our research are the schools where you're getting the fighting. And then additionally to that, what we've also realized and I hope we could compile something for the Ministry of Education soon, are those children never most of the times finish school in New York. They're starting in Form 1, the classes, the so-called star class, and by before they reach to the end of Form 5, if it was, if it was four classes, half of the class is empty. So are we really, did they, they, they drop out of school? Are we really focusing on the this so-called this so schools of focus and giving them the resources they need? There's no altar that they need there. They will need a social team there based on their own social issues at home. The social welfare officer, I we've spoken to them in confidence. They are not resourced to deal with some of the issues that some of these children, they reach out to us to come and help. That's how we reach in the school in the first place. So I think there needs to be a, 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 a new approach at that of all those 26 schools are focused and see if they could... If, if we need to, we just need to come up with something different. We have MyLat and all these agencies, CCC, that are good at that kind of education, and I think we should look into it. Right. And on the face, you are correct. In order to yeah. deal with this problem, we really need to get a multi-sectoral approach because the Commissioner of Police right now, she's very concerned about the school violence and each division. Now we have a program that you call Adopt a School. So schools would be a focus with the police you would have a police officer assigned to that school patrols are paying attention to schools in the morning and in the evening which is an excellent initiative and my point is all these children who are behaving in that particular way after school offenses are being committed and the police we need to start to charge these children yeah, but, but what, what about what about miss the what, children courts. Yeah, what about Miss Children who are misbehaving in the school? Because just last week we had but a video call circulating. The same call in the police. Call yeah, but, in the police. But there was a lady last week from the school in Union Claxton Bay said she made several reports to the police over and over, and it was just a back and forth. One of her daughters has actually been sexually Both abused in that, that school. Matter, mm -hmm. That matter is actively being pursued yes. by the St. Mary's police and also the child protection unit. Okay. Everything very in good. that video was not very truthful. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I All right? All right, okay. Yeah, everything was not very truthful. Yeah. There, there is a story in today's Guardian about a farmer who was acquitted of raping a girl 11. A farmer charged with raping an 11-year-old girl 13 years ago won his freedom last Thursday when a jury found him not guilty. 
at the Supreme Court. It took the jury of five men and four women two hours to return the unanimous verdict, right? Garcia, who is 44, now was accused of raping a former girlfriend's younger relative at his home in Separia in December 14th and 2009. Now, how important is to get the judiciary, I mean, to speed up in cases like these, whether a man is whether innocent or, or guilty, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's hmm. critical. I mean, you're talking yeah. about 11 years. Yeah, this man lost uh, his life. I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess then we don't know. We guess then that they're the hoping that whatever evidence came forward that they actually did get it right. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if they did get it right with the evidence that was presented to the jury and the court then, mm -hmm. then you're talking about 11 years. And I mean, what seems to be, I mean, what, what, what may be false in certain allegations, it seems so hard for people to now no longer disbelieve if you understand where I'm coming from mm -hmm. it means you may be exonerated legally but socially there's still a level of stigma people still feel in the back of your mind you must yeah. do it call you a rapist yeah yeah he's yeah, a rapist and i i saw that particularly with a grandmother paternal grandmother who a false allegation was made against intentionally by the by her grandson's mother saying mm -hmm. that she committed oral sex with her and, and, and with him and people slander Newsday put her on the first on the front page. And I remember I was adamant that Newsday after she got exonerated. That Newsday put her back on the front page to let people know mm. that this woman didn't commit this act. Yeah. These men sometimes didn't commit these acts also. So it's it's critical for the court to come to a swift determination. These matters, I mean, it just if it's just for serve, to, to serve justice, definitely. On, on, on all parts. Mm. Very, um, very good. Yeah, I mean, in, in the end, they're saying what the judge told the jury, it was unrealistic that the alleged rape as described by the girl could have occurred, yet the hymen remained intact and there was no vaginal bleeding or external injuries to her body. So, it took 11 years for that? So I want to, I want to come in there because the, the, the thing with, with speaking publicly about, about court cases is that sometimes we still not privy to the to, to all of the evidence, yeah. all of all, all, all of the facts, even in instances where uh, a court of law would have determined guilt or innocence, mm -hmm. and then it, it allows the public to then speak without without being knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. One of the things with respect to that hymen issue, right? And again, I can't speak to this case. However, I do know that there are instances where um, alleged perpetration, uh, alleged penetration would have occurred, mm -hmm. and the hymen does remain intact. Right, and sometimes the issue may also be that when an alleged sexual penetration has occurred, it is recommended that a medical be done within three days of the alleged act. If that is not done very often, the and and, and Ms. Gaylin, I'm sure could tell you the evidence is 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 lost, even if a medical is done afterwards. So it's difficult to speak on these things. Mm -hmm. It's really really difficult to speak on these things with without mm -hmm. full knowledge of 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 the case and and what evidence the court the court would have heard. All you right. know, understand, understand. But of course, eleven years is far too long. Yeah, yeah, I'm, far too long. Right. <clears throat> I have a, a voice note here and a, and a message. You're right. I have four years of tertiary education from the University of the West Indies. I am a certified social worker and I'm certified in criminology. And there isn't anything available, any employment available. Where can I apply to be of assistance to this current situation? I mean, we have many graduates in, in, in social work. Social work. There was a there was a time when every time you speak to a young lady, where you're studying social work, social work, social work. So where are these social workers? You know, I don't know. And, and, and I, to me, at least, I believe there's a need for them because you yeah. know, with national family service, and I've heard 
I, I, I want to give them a commendation too, eh, because I have heard multiple persons that I've sent to the National Family Service. I talk about even members of the TTPS, members of the prison service, members who have organizations that they could go to within their own organizations that have commended the National Family Service for the way in which they do their counsel. But however, as I say, I, I am not sure they, they have the, 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 the staffing and the resource to do as much as they can. And if there are persons that they could recruit, I mean, what is the, what is the callback? And it's always because of the disbursement they may get yearly or annually, if it is sufficient for them to increase their staff. I know even the, 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 the courts as well, the family courts, they wanted to do the rollout of the family courts throughout the country. And my information is that because they don't have the, the resource or the disbursement that they need to now transform a number so that this so that we won't have family issues going to be dealt with in magisterial courts that have criminal that are criminally criminal I would say by nature. You have family courts and around Trinidad and Tobago. But these are the things that are not being I mean, these are some of the things that need to be put on the front burner. And I, I have sat in many a committee. I I I was on the Prime Minister post COVID team and I just find when it comes to the social issues and social um, stuff is always put on the back burner. You understand? It's always put like, all right, let's deal with the economic hardship and the social part will catch itself. You understand? When you talk about social, it's always to deal with grant alone. Yeah, so how, really can, how, can, how can this person apply to the insurance authority? Well, as I indicated earlier, we, we are in the process um, of transforming the organization. So I would just let that person continue to look out for, for ads as they become available. Um, I would say later on this year, I'm not, I'm not in HR, so I can't say specifically, but there will be opportunities soon. All right, okay. Let's take a call there. Hello, a final call. Hello, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Bates, and good afternoon to your, to your crew, man. Yeah, man. Good. Mm. Um, what I want to find out from the panel, legislation pertaining to to broken homes. I, I, I think that's broken home in the context of what we see in a lot of fights in school. And we basically we speak about it every time about parent to parents and fighting in school and so on. Ms. Guy Allen, Rondell Cleves, do we have led, strong legislation to deal with parents in relation to delinquency of the children? One. And the second thing, mm -hmm. Rondell, you did start, you give stats in relation to um, wrongful information given on the female side. But you, you were constantly just now in relation Oops. to men. And by the way, I, I may have a bias in relation to women bear children, men don't. But you were striving to get what you call probably, um, how to put it, um, grants in relation to men as opposed to women. Did yeah. you do stats as to whether that is, is, is something that's prevalent over the world also, that men get grants from the government as, um, to see about children? Could you, could you say? Thanks very much. The program um, base. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Well, the stats are released. It showed both sides. It showed the, 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 the men that make accusations against women and women that make against men. Women, however, were proven to make more false allegations across the world against men than vice versa. And yes, you see, the thing is, throughout the entire world, it is the right of any parent, or more so in the, for the benefit of the child in their care, to receive grants. However, despite having, and that is a frightening thing to me, despite the fact that there is legislative works or sometimes there is policy in place that they receive these grants, particular cultural and uh, cultural bias or, or traditional practice steps in 
and you hear the man is the head of the womb. So you look at them harder to grant it because he's a man. A man shouldn't, if, unless you have a disability, then he don't need it. And these are the things that comes and thwart even all the rights that a man should have. So that is what is frightening to me because when you look legislatively, you would see it. When I, I remember at the time in 2018 when it was the when it was the norm for social welfare to do this. I sat with the PS myself and we looked at the law that said that specifically the word parent. So I had to question them. So on what premise are you saying that a man is the head of the home and he should not get a grant? And they had to they had to recant then. But you will always see that is the problem creeping up. A year would pass, two years would pass, new persons would come in, and you would see the culture creeping back in again. Because people coming out of a society where they perceive one thing and carry it into the places that they work. So that's why I believe it is good to continuously have training and to continuously speak on it openly out there so we start changing the social, the social perception of men and women in, in our society. Right, well, thank you very, yeah, man. Thank you there very much, gentlemen and lady. As we wrap it up, there we'll let everybody say their yeah. last words. And of course, we are we had to put the children first and really protect the children of Trinidad and Tobago. Please, you know, urge you. All right, so we let Miss Alina go first. Yes, I want to let the nation understand that child protection is everyone's business. You may not bear a child, but you may be an uncle and aunt. You may be a friend, you may be a neighbor. Once you are aware that a child has been physically abused, sexually abused, neglect or abandoned, we are asking you to please make contact with the police. You can call 999-555-800 tips. You can do online reporting through the TTPS. You can use the TTPS app or you can get in contact with any police station or any special victims department in anywhere in Trinidad and Tobago. We need to put our heads together and protect our children. We are asked, I am asking parents to parent intentionally, make that extra time and supervise your children. We are having too many parents putting their children before the court for children, what we, what we, what we call chins. Children who are in need of supervision. Parents need to spend that time and nurture their children and bring them up in the right way. Watch, look at your children online and offline activities. We are having too many online issues that are happening that are criminal. Your children will be lured away from you. So we are asking parents to pay attention, be aware. If you do not know how to use a device, learn and pay attention to exactly what is happening in your home. Be in control. Be in control. As, yeah. I, yeah. as I come in, I really, really want to endorse every single thing Ms. Gailin just said. Um, it is very, 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 very important. Um, I want to reinforce for Trinidad and Tobago again, as she said, that child protection is everyone's business. If you do see something, please say something. So in addition to all of the, the numbers and the arms of the police service that she would have mentioned, Please, if you see something, make a report to the Children's Authority at 996 or 800 2014. That's 996 or 800 2014. I also need us to recognize as a society that unfortunately we have a significant problem where we abuse our children and we need to deal with it and, and continue to deal with it seriously. So, again, if you do see something, please say something and make, make that report. All right, Mr. Fields. 
Yeah, I mean, I would like to thank both um, Mr. Bascom and Mr. Ireland for being here because this is critical, this is important um, for the listening public. I mean, some people need to find this kind of information so that they are, they know where to go they, when they're frustrated. I mean, we see in this weekend, seem some level of frustration caused um, I'm gonna tell. I mean, you know what happened this weekend with the poisoning of the oh, young boy. Yeah, boy. I mean, so we, we it, it, it's sometimes a lack of knowledge as into knowing where to go and get help, where to defuse a situation. So I encourage the population to place interest in these kind of things, place interest in these kind of shows, place interest in this kind of information that was just given by both Miss Guy Allen and Mr. Bascom. You could go to our website as well. There's a realm of information there, www.tfatt.com. There's a realm of information. You have to educate these things and educate yourself on these topics. We have to be, as a nation, more concerned. They could have all these services there, but if we are unconcerned and we don't care to find out or find these spaces to use them, nothing is going to change. So it's time for us as, an in, as individuals to do some level of introspection and get ourselves involved and concerned about our children and our future. All right. Thank you there very much, folks. Mr. Fields, Mr. Bascom, and Ms. Allen, thank you very much for this great conversation. All right? Thank you. All right. You've been listening to Freedom 106.5 FM. Better men's folks. Talk, talk, talk. is streaming at freedom106.5.com.